Hey, listeners. This is Andrew. Yes, that Andrew. I'm here to ask you a question. Do you want to support the podcast? Then please, subscribe to us on iTunes. More importantly, rate us and write a review. Listener feedback makes us more visible for listeners all over the internet. If you listen to us on SoundCloud, follow us and comment on our episodes. We've gotten so many new listeners, and with your help, we can keep bringing you more reviews, more shows, and more movies. On behalf of myself and Jack, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from us again in no time. Children behave, that's what they say when we're together, and watch how you play, they don't understand, and so we're running just as fast as we can, only don't you want another stand, trying to get away into the night, and then you put your arms around me. We saw 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this. I I was too. I mean, I you remember that, that podcast where I, right before we recorded, I showed you the trailer for it. Yeah. And initially, I think you were confused. Uh, not I quite think it, confused, but it, uh, I really didn't know what to expect because you no. just dumped on to me this idea that 10 Cloverfield Lane even existed. Well, that's how most of the public felt. I mean, they... Unlike certain other movies where J.J. Abrams will he'll promote a movie, but you won't know anything about it. Here, not only do you not really know anything about it except the title, you didn't know about it until two months before. That, in a way, he was very clever, and it's something that I wish more filmmakers did, which yeah. is, you know, so many movies nowadays, you know about them for years ahead of time. Like, we already know the schedule for Marvel movies going years in advance yeah they're and like book till 2012 yeah and it's 2020 yes yeah, so they're going back in time to book <laughs> they're, they're so booked that they're taking up the past as but well. but no it's it used to be like you know if you were in like the 80s you found out about aliens uh like a couple months before it came out yeah maybe if you were lucky you saw maybe a couple of stills in a or, movie magazine or if you read the trades yeah like yeah the trades but here yeah, it just suddenly sprang out of nowhere. It was actually in production under a different title. And I believe, uh, interestingly enough about this movie, a little piece of trivia that I'm not sure you knew about, um, initially this started as a spec script, like a different script that was submitted to J.J. Abrams, with the title of, and this is no BS, The Seller. Huh. Which uh, our, our friend Matt Rosen in college, made a movie called <laughs> The Cellar. And no relation to this movie, but... How's it going, Matt? How's it going, Matt? You should sue J.J. Abrams or something for that generic I'd title. back you up. Yeah, but enough about that. So this movie, of course, the the idea, the thing is, we talked about the trailer before. Yeah. And the sort of thought was, okay, is this Cloverfield 2? Or what does it have to do with the first Cloverfield movie? Which, you know, for those of you who... Possibly, you know, the few of you who didn't see it, Cloverfield, found footage movie from uh, 2008, where uh, a group of uh, relatively young people uh, have to go across uh, Manhattan. Younger than you. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time, they were my, around my age. I yeah, guess now they're younger than me. A bunch but... of New Yorkers find out the city's under attack by a monster, and they have to go save their friend. Yeah, well, and not just them... monster, monsters. Yeah, 
Um, and uh, yeah, and it's kind of uh, it's a crazy roller coaster. Right? I'll talk about my thoughts about Cloverfield in a second because I'm sure they'll come up. But the thing that you need to know up front, and this is not a spoiler. This is just useful information that you need to know. This is not a direct sequel to Cloverfield. No, it is not. It is not. This, I told I told Corey on the way home after we saw this movie, this is to Cloverfield what Django Unchained is to Sergio Corbucci's Django. It is a sequel in the very vaguest of terms. The way I'd, I'd describe it is actually from a different franchise. I'd say this is probably the Halloween 3 That's what other people have said. Franchise. Yeah, no, other people have described that where... I mean, it's, it's ultimately, I mean, it's JJ Abrams seems to finally get his act together after eight years as a producer and recognize, okay, we're making kind of an anthology series. Right. And in that sense, the thing that it really did, and the movie itself made me think of this too, it's like these movies are like Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. They're different episodes. And very much so, this movie closely has, I think, in this, uh, relation to a twilight zone like if you stripped away a lot of if you stripped down the story to its barest elements it could fit into a half hour twilight zone episode now to to elaborate a little bit on my metaphor it's like halloween 3 was yeah halloween 1 and 2 it was all about michael myers going around killing people yeah and then 3 they decided to do something different yeah and a lot there was a lot of uh there was a lot of what do you call that Backlash. Backlash. That's yes. the word I'm looking for. And not even so much backlash. Be, People just didn't care for it. Yeah. Well, it probably, have you seen Halloween three? Yeah. It's. I'm, I'm not part. See, in the past several years, for a while the movie was kind of reviled and sort of forgotten. Then in the past several years, the movie's kind of come back as this uh, cult favorite. Like people yeah. say, like, oh my god, Halloween underappreciated. three underappreciated. Yeah. And no, it's not. It's still. It's still just. It's it's a mixed bag. There are things yeah. about there that are relatively creative, but there are also things about it that are really bad. Now, contrast that against this movie. Ten Cloverfield Lane decides to do something very different, and it does it very well. I mean, there's a part of me that I'm almost curious to ask you this, because you're a much bigger fan of Cloverfield than I am. Right. Do you think it was misleading to call this Ten Cloverfield Lane? Well, do, you think it was, do you think it was misleading to even slap that title onto here? Because the way I felt about it, I think you could have released this movie without calling it that, by calling it something else, and it would have still been as effective a movie. Well, because he, what if you, because when you have that. expectations going into it, then well, I actually did have some some serious expectations for this film, which I wrote down before I went to see it. <laughs> okay, like well, tell tell me what. All they right, were. so I like. So I was at work writing down, uh, knowing I was going to see the movie, and I'm like, all right, what are my expectations for this film? So I wrote down a few things. Uh, I I was expecting some connection to Cloverfield, the first movie. Like, the monsters, or at least was in the same world. Right. And then I was also saying, I also expect a funny and menacing performance by John Goodman. And, you know, everything else. And... I was actually hoping for a few things, but I was hoping for some connection to that that first world, even if it was tenuous at best. It, to me, I I don't know if there. I mean, you, one of those is right. I mean, John Goodman is you know, if nothing else, those of you who go see the movie, if you like John Goodman's as a performer, this is among like his best work ever. Oh, as he's an actor. fantastic. He is completely menacing. He makes this character unpredictable, 
you know, one moment you're, I don't know if you'd say you're on his side, but you kind of feel like, okay, maybe I should see what this guy will do. Maybe he will be like for unstable, moment, but you want to follow him. For a moment, you accommodate him. Yes. You, you think you have your mindset adjusted to his presence. But then you get suddenly completely turned around another way. And the thing about this movie, too, is that... Uh, but, but going back to what your expectations were, though, I, again, I don't really feel like there was even that tenuous connection. I mean, we're going to talk about spoilers later on in this, in our discussion. But, again, in trying to talk about it in as simple and vague a way as possible, I didn't see that connection in terms of that monster from the first movie. Again, I forget, in the first movie, is that monster... Like, is he a a type of kaiju that's from this earth, or is he from another realm? They never say. Well, that's that's the thing. And they, this movie, again, I, I don't want to go into spoilers, but we'll, you we'll are... get into spoilers later. If you guys stick around, we'll have a spoiler right. riff. But the section. point is, the point is, did that disappoint you? Well, well, here's the whole thing about the name. I was expecting certain connections, and after I saw the movie, I reappraised that, and I'm like, does this? Does this take away from the movie? And I was thinking about it, and in the end, I don't think it's a problem because ten because Cloverfield, the original mm -hmm. film back yes. in two thousand eight, came out eight years ago. It was it was profitable. It was a successful film, surprisingly profitable. But I mean, who now is talking about Cloverfield? No, that's a long time from from the first movie to uh, a sequel. Yeah, and there are people like me who keep the Cloverfield flame alive and who really enjoy that film. Um, and then all of a sudden this gets sprung on us and we're like, Whoa, what is it? But a, a, most of the world was not looking for a Cloverfield sequel. No, people kind of saw Cloverfield. They're like, Oh, okay. I had fun. That's it. I got sick because of the motions. <laughs> because of the, because <laughs> Damn of the right I did. Um, oh, and just, just to be absolutely clear, this is not a found footage film. No, 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 uh, no. This is just a standardly shot film. No, but, uh, and by the way, just as a note, the director of this movie, it's his first feature. His name is Dan Trachtenberg. And what he was known for before was a Portal fan film, ah. which is really good. I forget the name of it. I think it might be called Portal No Escape. And the whole thing is a live-action version of Portal where you have like the woman from, I think, the first Portal game, right. and she's going through the different walls, Portal style, and... And that, it's interesting to, to see that and then to see this because I wouldn't really connect the two because you would think watching that Portal movie, this is somebody who is very visually inventive. This is somebody who really has their stuff together as far as putting together visual effects that mirror that game experience, which is like a puzzle game. This is a lot, this is just a, this is a down and dirty psychological thriller and Oh man, we took we, we again. We're talking very in very just the movie itself. It's so suspenseful. Yeah, it's been so long since we've had a movie. Like it's been a while since we've seen something this suspenseful. Um, and even though there's dialogue, there's a lot of the movie that is very visual in its storytelling. Yeah. Stretches where you're just watching characters do things. You're watching the character, the lead character, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead trying to figure things out, trying to figure out how am I going to get out of here? How am I discovering different parts of this bunker? Yeah. Um, and we should mention, by the way, just very briefly the premise that Mary Elizabeth Winstead leaves her boyfriend. She's driving along at night. 
then she gets into an accident and wakes up inside of a bunker tied up. Yeah, um, uh, run by John good, Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman, who, uh, you know, is like, yeah, I, I'm keeping you alive, and, you know, you don't want to go up there. Because there's been an attack. Yeah, well, that's what he's saying. And, of course, at first, you know, you don't trust him, just yeah. inherently. Or at least I didn't. Um, yeah, like, when you first <laughs> meet him, you're really not sure how, how to react to him. You know, John Goodman, you know, he's great. But he doesn't really make his presence known. He, he like he's he's there, but he he doesn't like strike you as one thing or the other. He's like this guy's kind of sketchy. He's underplaying. Yeah. Like it, like he it'd be one thing if he came in like I've got you tied up, but yeah. he never does that. Yeah. He he doesn't do that. But then once he's you neither get... he's neither nice nor mean. He's just kind of neutral. Yeah. But then as as you get a little further into the film, there's that one that first dinner scene. Where he yeah. then he then he makes himself known. And he's not overplaying it, but he's doing a lot of crazy stuff. In well, there. you find out more about the character as it goes on too, because there's well, another well, like character. Most movies. Well, sure. Well, <laughs> well, duh, it wouldn't be a good movie without that. But I mean yeah. that there's another character who's worked on the bunker itself. Uh, this character played by John Gallagher, I believe, is the actor's name. Um, he's Emmett. And he's the one who uh, is also there. So it's three people, John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and this other guy. And he fills in some of the exposition about how, in, in not totally sure terms, well, I guess he he was a, he worked in the Navy or he worked in some kind of John army Goodman's thing. John Goodman's character. Yeah, John Goodman's character. And he, it said, I love this line where he's like, he worked on satellites or some kind of satellites. And they kind of leave Doing it what? that. Doing what? satellite stuff no. yeah i love that <laughs> because you know that he has a lot of knowledge but the movie also doesn't tell you specifically what it is yeah. and yet you don't need to know that right like the point is here are the basics psychologically of john goodman's character and during that dinner scene by the way i because you you know if you've seen the trailer you kind of know what's about to happen there and I was just waiting until, like, okay, when is it going to happen? When yeah. is going to happen? When is he going to get his face smashed in with a bottle? This is not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. Yes. And it's great because they get all the trailer stuff out of the way Almost. in that first act. Yeah, pretty much. And then you're pretty much, you're up in the air. Yeah. You have no idea what's coming next. No. It, they, they, again, I, I can't overstate how, like, that really is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. I really love that trailer so much. Not not just because that song worked its way into my brain. Yeah. I I was it, almost to the point where I was. I think it's the bass line. It's that. Children behave. All right, let's not keep saying. All right, because we'll be here all night. Copyrights, by the way. But yeah, but so but again, extremely great performance from John Goodman. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, of course, is very good, too. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, obviously you know her from Scott Pilgrim. She's somebody and who... And the Thing prequel. Well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, no, it's interesting with her. She's one of those actresses who has really big eyes. Uh, a little bit like an anime character, which oh, I guess yeah. is why she was cast as Ramona Flowers, in part. Possibly. Possibly. Aside from being a very attractive woman, she... Uh, but she has... Uh, one thing that was interesting, I was kind of I was listening to a, an interview with Win Winstead, and she talked about how it was very important to her when she met with the director that he was kind of clear about how she would be like depicted when we first see her in the bunker, 
And she made a good point about how uh, it'd be very easy to kind of just exploit that image yeah. of a girl who's tied up to a radiator and in her underwear. You know, this could very easily turn into like Saw yeah. or something like that. But it's from her perspective that we're seeing John Goodman, we're seeing this world. So we're on her side. Yeah. And that obviously is key. Um, the music, I have to talk about the music because that, I don't know if that stuck out to you no, at all. you see, it didn't stick out to me because I was too busy being tense. Well, even, but well, from the beginning though, the, like the scores by this guy, Bear McCreary, um, he's known for a lot of things like the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Uh, he also scored the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. Ah. And, uh, he has a cool name too. I mean, Bear McCreary. Uh, that's it's not like, bad. He, You'd expect he, him to be like a, a mountain man in uh, The Revenant. Not really. When you see pictures of him, he looks a little bit more like just like a cool hipster. Who looks at pictures of composers? He he has a Facebook page. I actually follow him. Well. <laughs> if he was a mountain man, that would be pretty cool, too. I, I'd mountain man with that. a Facebook page. Why not? A mountain man who makes... I mean, to me, the score is very Bernard Herrmann. It was full of lots of strings. It was very tense. Like, people, I've read a few people online have compared this to Hitchcock. I can kind of see it, because his movies are very psychologically drawn. But for me, the score was the closest thing to Hitchcock. Like, if you if you want to talk about what this, what, you know, other films this reminds me of, this brings up, the, while this is, di while this, these are different subject matter, it brings up, uh, it, what came to mind for me was Cat People. And I'm going to tell that's, you why. That's because not quite what I was thinking. I know, but I'm going to explain. Okay. Like, uh, Val Luton, yeah. he, he, was, he produced that. Yes. And he had this ethos that a good horror film is good even when you take out the supernatural. Okay. Like, if you took the that sort of Catwoman lore out of that film, yeah. out of cat, cat People, then it would still work because it's all about a relationship it's about tension and marriage and yeah. things like that this is about this is if you take out everything that's supernatural or unusual in this film yeah this film still works it works incredibly well i mean the the supernatural is uh is not integral to okay. this plot right. it works with or without it okay uh, that's a good that's an interesting point for me all right, so going into this, my one expectation, which I didn't write down, I thought that what they were going to do was, all right, so what the Cloverfield, the first movie was to Godzilla, this would be to Night of the Living Dead. I thought this would be more about, like, you know, again, when you're, like, imagine Night of the Living Dead if it was all set in, like, the basement or something. That expectation wasn't quite correct. This was closer to the thing. Hmm. I got more of that. Uh, or, I mean, the remake of the thing, not so much the Howard Hawks one. And Reservoir Dogs, even the Hateful Eight to an extent. This idea well, that you're all stuck inside this one place, it's the, it's and a, the trust issue is so tenuous. It's so combustible. Yeah. I even, I even have my hands like That's where it's about all the tension combust. comes from. You're in this limited space where it's just the three of you, and you have no idea if you can and, trust people. And you have to get along. Or somehow, um, until you can't. Not getting along has serious, clear repercussions. Yeah, and then, but just like with the thing, at a certain point, it's like, if I don't get out of here, I'm in danger. Like, what will happen if I stay here? And yeah. well, well, you're talking about a bottle film. 
They, well, this is a bottle film. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what that, why I think of it. I mean, again, you make a good point about taking out the suspense, but... No, the supernatural. The, the supernatural. All right, can I get... Can you we can't... get... All right, so we're... So let's get can into we get... spoiler territory. All right, if you don't want to listen to the spoilers, let's give our brief review. Clover, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane is an extremely tense film. An excellent thriller. I, I and yeah. And just all around marvelous. 85% of the movie is great. Oh, am I... Sorry, my laptop just made a sound. Uh, don't worry about that. Uh, there, don't worry, there's a kaiju in there or something. Um... No, uh, yeah, this, again, John Goodman is a national treasure. Oh, by now? Absolutely. I think that he should be on, if there's on a Mount Ma Rushmore. Well, well, if there's a Mount Rushmore for character actors, he needs to be there with Peter Lorre and uh, um, whoever that guy was from Akiru, um, who was also in Godzilla. Oh, Tatsuya Nakadai. Or oh, I think that's Takeshi no, Shimura. Sorry, I was confusing him with a different Japanese actor. Um, yeah, so he is fantastic. Again, the pacing of it is just so, uh, just like airtight. Oh yeah, the every the, shot the means something. Yeah, and the structure is marvelous. You know the way that uh, even just little things like there's a point where they're playing that, a that game, board game. Which oh. I, I want to ask. I want to ask you a quick question That's, about that. Wait, if you is were, this, is this spoiler territory or no? But this is more about a question, just like as an aside with you, because uh, like for a personal note, like when sometimes when we hang out, uh, uh, Andrew brings over board games oh, to yeah. play, and uh, you know, and he's the one who's kind of like the game leader a lot of the time. Yeah, he'll be the one who's sort of giving out the rules, and he's sort of sometimes. I mean, you people would be lost without me. Yeah, exactly. But I kind of started to ponder. A little bit after the movie, like, and like, if there was an apocalyptic setting, would you like start to lose your mind as you played games? Possibly, yeah, <laughs> but not because of the games, just because of who I am. This isn't a spoiler to say that like, there's a moment where they're playing, the three of them are playing this game, yes, and it gets incredibly awkward and incredibly like you're holding your armrests like in complete terror. Yes. And then when it snaps out, it's like, <sighs> so yeah. Oh, I just got scared by somebody else in the room. Um, so give your, br your brief review. So excellent, uh, thriller until the last 10 minutes. Is that a brief review for you? Perfect. All right. Now, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Okay, and uh, we'll make sure I also put this in the description. So, when I talked about how, you know, this movie, again, it's not a sequel By the way, to the those one. of you who wanted spoilers, welcome. You're part of the cool group now. Yes. We should put music with this, like, uh, cool music. Like, yeah. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
as soon as Emmett gets killed, he, ch- he and then shaves. shows up, he shaves his beard. He instantly looks three times as terrifying as he did before. Huh, the beard made so? him look cuddly and harmless. You, Clean shaven, he is terrifying. It's kind of like that moment in the room when he uh, just suddenly appears and he like has shaved his beard. Yeah. Only here, oh, there's a little bit more sense. <laughs> At least here it kind of makes sense why, because I, I thought that he shaved because then he was going to start to like, you know, r- warm up to her. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, clearly the implication. Yeah, goddamn. Like, and he's like, "Don't worry, we don't have to worry about timetables anymore with him out of the way." <laughs> so anyway, so Michelle does get out. She concocts this whole plan and makes up like this makeshift bio suit. Which, you know, again, it would take a while to get into how she does it. But she gets outside. She's got her her makeshift hazmat suit. Yeah, and, and, well, she discovers two things. A, she can breathe. And two, there really are aliens outside. Yeah. That's where the movie was... It wasn't bad. But I started to have this thing where, like, I started to have, like, a CinemaSins counter going off in my head. (laughs) Where I just started to find things wrong with it. In a way that maybe I was nitpicking, but it like it just started to seem like there were some certain little flaws that were happening in the sequence where she then has to try to escape getting killed and captured by aliens. And part of it included like she has to put back on her suit as they're starting to spray the gas that actually made people sick. Hmm. So I don't know. So just how do you feel about that sequence? Well, I feel that it. I'm glad it was there. Well, I feel like it was there I, for people like you. Right. Because it's uh, as that first act ends, we do find out something is wrong outside. Sure. We, we, I mean, we realize that this isn't all just something that John Goodman cooked up. I, I keep saying John Goodman as if he's the character. His name is uh, Howard. Right. How, it's something that Howard's cooked up. And then we find, no, something is going on out there. And we and if it wasn't something like a giant monster or like some sort of invasion or or, or aliens, it it would have felt like at the least it could be a plague. Right. It would have it felt would be, it would it be w- like the stand. It would have felt like a cop out. Like, well, yeah, but something then... big had to be happening outside of that bunker. Oh me. no, I agree. But there's, also... but there's also a part of me that, and I was talking about this with Corey after the movie. In a sense, but once she gets out of the bunker, the movie's over. In a sense. Like, the rest of the movie is kind of just like, let's have this fun sequence with this alien ship. And although, it does, do although, although it's pretty relentless. It's very fast. It's because it's like they jam all of this stuff into, like, one sequence. And it's like, okay, I've bought that she could do all this stuff in the, in the bunker. Like, she proved that, okay, I'm a fashion designer... I have a knack for making sure I know how to design something and put things together. When she's outside, like, and fighting that alien ship, she just does stuff really fast. That's like, how'd you do that? Hmm. Although, uh... Again, it's not bad. It's still fun. But it's just, I didn't feel the same tension as I did in the bunker. No, it's, well, it's certainly not the same tension. It's, it's, no. a, dis, it's a distinctly different flavor. It becomes Although a different when, movie. when it does get to that point where you realize she is fighting aliens, you, I had this thought of, well, you get, tried really hard to get out of that bunker, now you're screwed. Bet well, you wish you were back in the bunker. I did, like, I did like how she reacts. All she says is, come on. Yeah. 
And that was that was kind of nice. Although uh, I think that was part of her character arc. I mean, at the end, she defeats these aliens. She's confronting. She's confronted basically everything. And then she has that choice. Is she going to go to the safe zone north of Baton Rouge? Or is she going to go fight in Houston? And she, and her whole thing is like, I've been running every yeah, time she, she things ran have gotten from, hard, yeah. I've ran, run. That's interesting and, I didn't quite and, think of that. And then she's like, I have just killed a crazy man in a bunker. I destroyed an alien ship with a bottle of scotch. And I made my own hazmat suit. I'm going to Houston. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's a great moment, I think. Everything that has come before that last scene has been adding up to that. Yeah. So I think it's ultimately necessary. But I also think the alien part is necessary for thematic reasons. Hmm. I, I don't think it would be a Cloverfield film if something strange wasn't happening. No, yeah, no, no. But it's just that it... Again, it's the tonal shift. The fact that we've had like 80, 85% of this movie that's all been inside this place up to a point it's actually pretty realistic you you can actually oh, yeah. you can actually put yourself into her position what would i do in this scenario i haven't really thought that much about what i would do if i was up against like an alien ship trying to attack me i think though that's what if we're going to look at cloverfield as a franchise as an anthology now yeah. we have to look at what the common theme is and what does this film have this is what i was saying what does this film have in common with Cloverfield. Yeah. Now, I didn't want to say, though, I do still, I, personally, for me, I, I prefer this movie, the, the first Cloverfield, okay. by a wide stretch. I think I like the first Cloverfield better because I just like giant monsters. Pew, pew, pew. Ah. I just shot Andrew and But him. it's, but I was, but I was thinking, like, alright, what connects these two aside from a title? And what was the first Cloverfield about? It was about... Trying to reconnect with your friends, I guess. It was, yeah, it was about it was about this, this sort of relation uh, relationship between a couple. Yeah. And, you know, it was like a man realizes he's made a big mistake yeah. at the worst possible moment, and now he can't right. forgive himself until he goes to save the girlfriend who's yeah. in harm's way. And now this, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she, she's run away from her, from her fiancé. Uh, and then the worst happens. Again, now we don't revisit that fiance. Yeah. But still, it it sets her up for all these other relationships. Sure. Like what happens to relationships when the impossible happens? And what and what if like all these weird, impossible things do happen? Yeah. It's I, like how do you yeah. react as a person? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a that's a good point. I. I, I guess I should have put more more thought into it. I think it's because of <laughs> I think it's because that they're different in terms of tone and in how for me a big also a big reason too is characterization again if we compare cloverfield to a giant monster movie and godzilla movie like in a sense cloverfield is closer to that in that i didn't i just didn't really care about the characters you're saying there is that element there of oh we have this relationship it's broken apart i have to get back to you but the characters in that it just they made so so many stupid decisions that it took me out of the movie. Whereas here, there's just strong characterization. The other thing this reminded me of, too, is... And again, I know you haven't watched this, but Lost. The, and J.J. The Abrams produced that, too, by the way. A lot of that relied upon... Who can I... 
what this person's giving me information. I'm in the scenario that's impossible to deal with. How am I going to logically get out of it? And I think that in, just in terms of intelligence, this seemed like the stronger movie to me. But I think both films deal with realism hmm. a lot better. I mean, there's uh, nothing... the something about Cloverfield wasn't very realistic. Although, but it's, it's there, there it was it was fun as not a, realistic. It was fun but as a roller coaster ride. But it fe- but the but I think everything in Cloverfield may, helps it to feel realistic. Mm. Is it realistic to have a giant monster attack New York? No. <laughs> the but fact that that isn't dealt- taken out in like. 20 like minutes but it is dealt with in a very very realistic way um up to a point i it would be a little more realistic if the characters were just didn't weren't quite so much like dumb movie characters i don't know maybe that's again that's just personal preference i could i think you made a good point about connecting the two cloverfields though at least the thing that's funny though i know that at some point some uber nerd is gonna find like a tiny connection, like they're gonna comb through Uber ten Cloverfield trademark of the wages of cinema. Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah, no, no stealing required. Um, they're gonna find like one shot where they just show like for two seconds like a piece of paper that has like an address from Japan and connect that to something in Cloverfield. I think they've already done that. Uh, well, again, I'm not. Maybe they have. I just haven't read it yet. Uh, so, final thoughts. I have to admit, if this film was not called 10 Cloverfield Lane, I probably would not have seen it. Interesting. Well, that's 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 the catch-22, isn't it? The fact that it probably shouldn't have been called Cloverfield Lane, and yet you wouldn't have seen it if it hadn't been called that. So, in, in a sense, marketing kind of won the day here. Yeah, in my case, certainly. I mean, yeah. They I got mean, my seven bucks. I mean, again, John Goodman... You know, such a great actor, Mary Elizabeth Winston, great actor. People are other guy, also pretty good. Yeah, although he, the funny thing with him, by the way, he was in a show called The Newsroom, where he looked completely different. Huh. He played like a guy who produces uh, for cable news, like, and he has like no beard. That's and the one no... with Jeff Daniels, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks so different. So kudos to him. Um, I, uh... but there is one more thing I want to say though. Please, no, no, I'm sorry, I, I was gonna. I probably I wouldn't bring up the title. If this wasn't connected to Cloverfield, I don't think I would have seen it. But I'm really glad that they tried this. Yeah. Because any direct sequel to Cloverfield, Cloverfield 2 would have been a bad idea. It, it that story was kind of over. I mean, maybe they could have done one, something with the monster. It was a one-shot story. Yeah. And I wasn't really interested in a prequel because Cloverfield 2 was also a lot no, sorry, Cloverfield 2 doesn't exist. No. Nope. Cloverfield was all about mystery. Yeah. Well, maybe not all about it, but it was a major component. So, it was a bad idea. And then they did something completely different. Made a completely different sequel, if you want to call it a sequel or not. And they turned it into this sort of anthology idea. I mean, yeah. now I'm just excited for the third Cloverfield. Uh, maybe I'll have to wait I, I want to years. See, I want to see... <laughs> I want to see what's different about the third one. I Why? want to see them continue this theme that I've seen. And Why I'm really glad that they've knows. done it. Uh, I, char- I chalk up the reason it took so long, because J.J. Abrams has like a hundred different projects going at once. Because he doesn't just work in movies, he works in TV. So he's probably been pulled in so many different directions. Um, let's see if he actually continues this, unlike 
you know, may, who knows? Even if this is just a one-off, I am also very glad he made this and that produced it. Well, produced it, and also that you know you're going to see this director working for a very long time. Like from the basis of this movie, he what's the director's what name doing. again? Dan Trachtenberg. Um, I'll read that again so everybody remembers it. Dan Trachtenberg. Um, Dan Trachtenberg. There you go. Um, so and final it's thoughts just, for you. Uh, well, just as I was saying, excellent little thriller. Um, it 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 respects the audience's intelligence. It it keeps up the pace, breakneck speed. You never feel like it's lagging much. However, there are moments where things can get a little quiet, and you find out where characters just kind of talk, and you learn a little bit more about them. And it doesn't feel inorganic. Uh, you know, like when like Emmett and Michelle spend a couple minutes talking to each other. It feels like it's necessary so that you can get invested in them. Hmm. Uh, and even, again, with... Uh, at first, again, your feelings change about Howard because at first you think, this guy, you know, he's he's lost a lot. You know, he's lost a daughter. He's lost this and that. But then as you find out more about him, it's just, no. I mean, you hold these two ideas in your head at the same time. You know, yes, there are monsters outside, and yes, there there's a monster in here, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's a human monster, which is the most terrifying monster of all. Hmm. To quote that, requote that thing, thing that you talk about. To requote the thing, I don't remember. What yeah. It was. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is again not. I don't know if it'll end up like in my top ten of the year again because it's not perfect. Top ten so far. Um. Well, I've only seen like ten movies. So. Perfect. All top right. Jack's top ten. So, if you agreed with us, if you had differing thoughts about the movie, uh, please send us an email uh, to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Send us a tweet, uh, Wages of Cinema. Also, Facebook, uh, the Wages of Cinema podcast. Um, and yeah, we hope to maybe do more of these reviews in the future. No! No! No, no! No! Don't open that door! They're going to get all the kills!